what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Antler and Featherco podcast, the podcast for new and adult onset hunters. My name's Vince, I'm your host, and on this show, I, a newer inexperienced hunter, bring people on who know a whole hell of a lot more about hunting than I do. And as I ask them questions and I learn new things, I just want to pass those right along to you guys. So for starters, a couple good reminders for you guys. Number one, get yourself signed up for the AFCO Best Buck Championship. Guys, you've got less than a month to get in on that. If you killed a buck this year, regardless of size, just go to my Instagram, find the post. It's pinned at the top. Get yourself registered. You're going to have to send me the picture. Me and a bunch of judges are going to pick a top five, and we're going to turn that over to you guys, and you guys are going to vote for the best buck. What's in it for you? Well, if you win, you're going to get an Antler Feather Co. championship belt. You're going to get a new gas bowstring from Adams Precision Archery. You're going to get a brand new Buzzard Roost saddle from Buzzard Roost Saddles. If you're on a youth tag, which the youth tag, there's not too many people signed up for that. You got a good shot. If you do that, you're going to win a miniature championship belt from AFCO. You're going to win an Intimidator grunt call, courtesy of Edible Outdoors Cook. You're also going to get a couple hats from him. Um, guys, just get signed up. There's no reason. Unless you did not kill a buck, you can't put does in there, sign up for it. It's free. There's cool prizes. Get on there and do that. Secondly, I want to thank everybody again for checking out the website, antlerfeatherco.com. You guys have been awesome. For everyone who's bought gear, who's just checked it out, everybody who's thinking about buying gear, thanks for doing that. I appreciate it. Um, It's awesome to see. I just got those three-spot Vegas targets in. I'm gauging interest to see if you guys want those or not. If you do, I will put them on the website. I'm not trying to make a bunch of money off them. I am going to have to figure out shipping and all that. If I just break even just to get those to you guys, if you want them, that's cool with me. I'll figure that part out. But real quick, let's go through our friends of the show. Number one, Our Grounds Coffee Co. It's the official coffee of the Antler and Feather Co. podcast. Ed is just, he's kicking ass with Our Grounds. It's a great, great coffee. Ask anyone who's tried it. I want you to try it. Go on his website, use all caps AFCO. That's going to get you 15% off your order. I really like Roastevelt. I'm excited for Color Phase, which should be coming out some sometime soon here. Um, Muley Mayhem, if you're a dark roast person, you can't beat it. So also, check out Buzzard Roost Saddles. It's the most comfortable saddle your butt will ever sit in, I promise you. Go check them out. They're American-made in Louisiana. They uh, support military and law enforcement. Just a great company, hardworking company. Go support them. Use code AAFP10. That'll get you 10% off your Buzzard Roost saddle. And finally, you know what's coming next, Spartan Forge. Guys, it is just the best mapping deer prediction app you're going to find. Use code AFCO, all caps on their website. That's going to get you 20% off your full subscription. Go try it for free right now during turkey season. Then when you want to go get the full subscription, use that code, save a little money, and enjoy it. Trust me, you will love it. So this week, we're going to talk to a true aerosmith. No, not Steven Tyler. We're going to talk to Dustin Adams of Adams Precision Archery. He's doing awesome with it. It, He started around the same time as me. He's blowing me away. He's growing. He does a great job on social media. He is just a really great guy. I wanted to bring him on uh, and talk to him about arrows, turkey hunting. Uh, God knows where this is going to go. Dustin's a fun dude to talk to, so I hope you guys enjoy it. So let's hurry up and get him on the show because I just want to get right into the content with him. So... Please help me welcome to the show Dustin Adams from Adams Precision Archery. Dustin, how are we doing today, dude? 
I'm great, man. I'm thankful to be here with you. And uh, thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to our conversation, man. Absolutely, dude. It's been a long time coming. We've tried and tried and tried and tried to have a show. And it's like we were talking about off camera. When you say the word, I have kids, you just never know what you're going to get. <laughs> you can throw your schedule out, man. Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the literal, your your real work schedule, which even that sometimes, that kid wakes up in, oh. at, at midnight coffin. Ah, forget it. You're, you're done. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I got to call. I'm going to have to call my boss. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so how, how did your deer season go now? I'm You guys are all wrapped up too, uh, I assume. Yeah, we finished up on um, the 9th, the 9th of January. And so yeah. uh, it went okay, man. Um, I've got a freezer full of deer meat. Um, that's that's but, what it's about. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it could have been better, I think. You know, it was just uh, one of those things that we're finding some new success with the company. And, and I think that that demanded a little bit more time. And yeah. uh, so, unfortunately, I didn't get to spend quite as much time in the in the woods as I would have liked. But um I'll, I'll take the alternative this season. Hopefully next year I'll <laughs> right. have a little more. Uh, yeah, hopefully next year I'll have a little more, um, you know, kind of an idea of what's going on with everything and, and be able to schedule around that some more and, and get in the woods. But um, I killed I killed two this year, and uh, unfortunately uh, a third would have been, but I, I wasn't able to recover it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that's one of the that's that's one of the shitty parts of the game, you know. It's one like we've talked yeah. about before on the show. As long as you do your due diligence and you look your ass off for that deer, at some point, unfortunately, sometimes you got to give up. I mean, yeah. who knows yeah. what happens? More than likely, if you don't find them, they're probably still kicking somewhere. You know, hopefully. Yeah, I think but, she made. I think she made it, man. I, I made a bad shot. Um, I, I made a bad shot, and I knew I made a bad shot, and. She was well enough to where, you know, after I shot her, she kind of scooted off into some brush that was about 20 yards from me. And she was feeling well enough to stand in that brush and blow at me. So yeah. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I think she's probably good, man. So yep. hopefully get another, hopefully get another crack next season. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it seems like it's, I've heard it from a lot of people, myself included, this season was just for whatever reason, it seems like it was busy for a lot of people. Um, a lot of people I've for heard, sure. Hey, I was just not in the woods as much as I would have liked to this year. So I think it was just, you know, it's one of those squirrely years. And I think that, you know, neither one of us can enter our own contest, <laughs> but, right. Right. but you know, it, it happens, but yeah. So guys, speaking of our contest, so Dustin is Adam's precision archery. He, uh, I, I hooked up with him a long, long time ago um, when I first started this. And I don't think we had, had really had a whole lot of interaction at that time. And uh, I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I'm trying to put this together. Here's my idea. And uh, he was like, hell yes, let's do it. And he was awesome enough to um, – he's going to give away uh, a new set of gas bowstrings. That's one of the main prizes on the uh, AFCO Best Buck Championship. So we can all clap and say thank you, Dustin, for that because that's an awesome, awesome prize. You're, the oh, the man, sponsors it, it, are way better prizes than what I'm offering. I'm giving you a freaking championship <laughs> belt so you can act like a five-year-old again. <laughs> no, listen, look, right. And so you're giving the gift of youth, and there is no better <laughs> gift, man. So right. yeah, hundred a hundred percent, man. Uh, I'm super. I'm super. I'm super pumped to be uh, to be involved with it. And um, it's it's funny. We were just talking about our hunting season when you when you brought it up to me, man. I was sitting in the deer stand. It was 91 degrees because yeah. it was like September, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm in South Georgia, and I was just like, man, let's. <laughs> 
Let's do it, bro. Like, uh, I, dude, I love getting involved in stuff like that, man. I think it's great for the hunting community, and and it's just you know, it makes it puts a little something on the line. And I'm competitive, and so yeah, you know, most times when somebody asks me to get in on something like that, I'm like, yeah, let's do it, man. Right. Yeah. And speaking of giveaways, you're also part of um, another giveaway. You want to talk about that, or is that going to be over? This is going to come out Tuesday. Will that still be, be open? Oh, no, well. this is going to, uh, that, yeah, that thing, that thing's done. It's, it was a little quick five day, man. It, it's done gotcha. on, um, Sunday and, and I'm not, man, a, a guy that, uh, a guy that's been following me for a bit, man. He just, he asked me if I would help him out. He bought the thing and this is his giveaway and I'm just yeah. trying to, trying to help him out and help him have some growth, man. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it's all about, man. I mean, especially yeah, for sure, bro. as each one of us, you know, like you, we, we started around the same time and you've, you've doubled you know and followers and exposure and it's awesome to see i'm i'm super happy for you but it I is important that. you know as we as we all grow there's going to be people coming in behind us that are in that same spot that we were when we first started and i think yeah. it's awesome that you are always more than willing to be like hey man you get on the train with us not not stay yeah. back there we're doing our thing over here you're super super good about getting everybody new get them you know get them what is it called? Platformed? Try to get help get their name out, you know, and yeah, man. Well, because it was done for me, man. It, it was done for me. Um, and, and it's so funny that I, this, I promise this isn't planned. It's so funny that we're talking about this though, <laughs> because I was, I was just talking with a guy that, that helped me out. Most of you guys, I'm sure follow, um, Joe Gabo on, uh, mm -hmm. on Instagram. Yeah. So I was talking to him on the phone the other day and, and we've become, you know, we've become pretty good buddies and, uh, and I was chatting with him and he's like, man, it's, it's just so weird how it happens. Like you, when you, when you come into this and you're trying to get social media exposure and you're trying to grow your, you know, in your, in my case, a company, but in his case, you know, that personal brand and that sort of stuff yeah. like that, how, how you, you link up with a couple of guys that are kind of in that same spot as you, man. And everybody just kind of you know, builds off of one another yeah. and, and, uh, and, and grows together, man. And so, you know, I think that inadvertently, whenever, whenever I started this, you were one of the first pages that I followed. And, and I kind of, for a, for a while there, like I always measured my growth against you because I knew we were in it about the same <laughs> yeah. time. And so I, I'm checking and like watching your page and all that stuff like that. So it's been pretty cool to see just kind of, you know, to see your growth and, and what, um, AFCO is doing and, and bro, I, I love the work, man. I love the stuff. So I, I'm happy to see everybody growing and I want to help the guys that are coming in now that have a hundred and 200 social media followers and, and, and boost those guys up too, yeah. man, and get everybody big, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it is cool. I mean, I get to see it also from this podcast is it doesn't, it, it, well, I won't say it doesn't always stop, but for the most part, it doesn't just stop at like, all right, I've hit 5,000 followers. Now I'm elite or whatever that magical number where you're like officially official. Um, I mean, I reach sure. out to people for this podcast that I have no business talking to at, at this stage in the podcast. And even early, early on back in season one, and you get these guys who they're just famous in the industry. Like they've been around, you know, like someone like a Dan Infault, Garrett Prawl, Bill from Spartan Forge, the growing deer yeah. TV, Dr. Grant, like guys like that, like they're still okay with like, Hey man, I'm new. I want to learn. I got this show to help other people learn. And they're like, absolutely. And it's, yeah. I don't know if that's just kind of just the hunting industry. I'm sure maybe it's like that in other industries, but anything else I've ever been involved in, you don't get to just message and talk to the, the celebrities of that industry. And this one, like hunting industry, you can pretty much guys, if, <laughs> 
if you're going to start a podcast, my best advice to you, and this was given to me from Cliff Cadet, don't be afraid to ask anybody to come on your show. doesn't matter who it is. You're either not going to get an email back, you're going to get a no, I'm too busy, or they're going to say yes. And a lot of times, guys, they'll say yes. I mean, the worst thing they, listen, so so the worst thing they can say is no. I mean, no is yeah. the worst answer you can get, and no never hurts anybody, man. Right. What what hurts what hurts people who are growing, right, is is not stepping up and, and going for that. And, yeah. And putting, your, and putting yourself out there, man. If you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to get uh, to realize full potential. I, I mean, right. I believe that wholeheartedly. And and I was just having this, uh, I was just having this conversation, um, this week, man, with, uh, with, uh, the dreaded archer. Um, and we were talking about how accessible the big name people in this industry are, yeah. despite the fact that they are the giants of the industry. You know what I mean? Like outside yeah. of here, if you look at Hollywood celebrities or whatever the case is, man, you can't get in touch with those people, man. Those right. people are, they're on, they're on a level where like guys like us, man, <laughs> We're never going to even talk to these people. You're never going to see them, but yeah. whether you're Levi Morgans and your Dan Statens and all these guys, man, like I literally, man, I just was talking to Levi Morgan four days yeah. ago, dude. You know what That's I mean? That's awesome. And just messaging a little bit back and forth, and and uh, yeah, man, it's it's really encouraging trying to trying to become something in this industry and seeing the people that are already on that level that are still willing to help the people that, yeah. that are that are trying to get there. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's the beauty of our industry, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's just kind of to touch on what you were, t you were saying, like, if you're getting into this, whether you're going the, the influencer route, you know, where you're just, I don't mean to say this in a bad way, so don't get offended, influencers. But if you're going the route of, like, here's every brand, all I'm going to do is show you videos of me doing things in this brand. If that's what you want to do and that's what you you like to do, cool, go for it. If you want to do the more, like, educational type of route like I'm trying to do or whatever it is or something like you're trying to do the number one limiting factor I've seen as you know we've been around long enough now that we can kind of we've seen trends um, I yeah. think the number one trend I see with guys is they start they come out of the gate hot and then they limit themselves because they're afraid to ask so-and-so to come on their show they're afraid to talk to this person they're afraid to they're afraid to look stupid it's like you said, if you're going to do this, just go all out. And and then it's kind of a war of attrition. Who's going to stay around past six months? You know, it's that's it, man. You're going to grow. And I think that's the mark, right? I, th I think that that's sick. Yeah, naturally, you're, you're, it's just going to happen. You're going to grow. But I, I do think that that six month mark is is critical, man, because, you know, to grow to grow on your social media platforms and, and it takes work, man. People don't think that it's that it's consuming from a time oh. standpoint but it, man it really is dude like yeah. you gotta you have to post and post and post and and answer people's questions and respond to messages and be timely and and you have to i mean there's just a certain level of commitment that that requires and it and it pays dividends on the other side as far as your your brand's growth and that sort of thing so i mean it's it's a challenge man and a lot of people get tired of doing that you yeah. know i mean they, they get worn out with it they get beaten down regular life takes over and consumes that time um, but it is definitely a time consuming beast to, yes. uh, to, to grow yourself on a social media platform, particularly because there are so many other people in this segment. And, and, uh, if, if you don't fill that slot of that guy, man, that's, that's going to put in that time and effort, somebody else is going to step into that spot yeah. and, and then it's going to be, it's, you're too late, you know? Well, Hey, before we get going too far in, I do not want to forget to stop, say a prayer real quick. So I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to hop into 
um, more Adam's precision archery related stuff. I want to know how this whole thing started from you. So, uh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for another day. I thank you, uh, that you allowed me to wake up and breathe your air. You allowed me to go out into your creation. Um, you allow me to enjoy your creation. Um, I thank you that you have put structure in this world through, um, you know, going to work, having a family, all of these things that a lot of times, um, they can be big stressors to us, but ultimately they're giant gifts that you've given us. Um, and I, I thank you for all that. Any, any of the difficulties that we've gone through today or this week, um, there's a reason there's, there's a purpose. There's a reason there's a lesson you're trying to show us. Um, and ultimately the gift that we get at the end of that tunnel, um, it's it's just amazing. It's shaping us. You're growing us. So we thank you for all that. And then we obviously thank you, Lord, for all the great things that we get to just enjoy. Um, just just pure enjoyment, getting to play with our kids, getting to shoot our bow, getting to go hunt in the woods. Um, these are all things that you created for our enjoyment. And um, that's where Jesus coming down, dying on the cross for us, allowing us to have that relationship with you and enjoy these things. Um, we just want to thank you for Jesus as well. Um, I want to thank you for Dustin. Um, it's been it's been back and forth trying to get it, but we finally got here. I want to thank you for him and his time. Um, I want to thank you for what you've done for him with with the growth of his company and in his life. Um, and I want to ask that you'd be over this conversation. Uh, we already know it's going to be a great conversation, and we just ask that you're here with us. We thank you for Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So for starters. I always say this, it wouldn't be a hunting show without knowing how did you get into hunting and archery? Because archery is a big, big part of your life now. How did that all yeah, start man. for Dustin? Uh, or Adam? Uh, for who? <laughs> I always uh, see this. Is it Dustin? Is it Adam? What's his name? No, man. Dude, it's so like, it, people, everybody calls me Adam, bro. Like, I guess it's because it's in the name, but it's There's no Adam. apostrophe. My name is Right. But I mean, <laughs> yes, you're a hundred percent correct, bro. Uh, my name is Dustin Adams. Adams, uh, Adams is the last name. Uh, if I had it to do again, I would have <laughs> just been like something else. Yeah. Well, if this podcast uh, but, accomplishes nothing else from this point forward, we at least answered that damn question for everybody, <laughs> man. I just think it's still going to keep happening, bro. <laughs> I'm conditioned to it at this point, man. I don't yep. even correct it anymore. They're just like, what's up, Adam? I'm like, what's up, bro? Right. You just put him in that other bucket until you figure them out yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm Adam. So how'd you get into hunting, man? How how did how did it find you, and, and especially archery? How, how did that get into your life? Man, so, uh, so I've always been interested in hunting. I'm a first-generation hunter. Um, I, you know, it's not something that was passed down to me, uh, from my parents or grandparents or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's something that, you know, I, I'm, I live in a rural area. Um, and so, you know, growing up, a lot of my friends were into it, um, and, and they did it often. Right. But, um, I come from humble beginnings and I didn't have uh, the means to make that mm -hmm. happen. And, and so I was, uh, you know, I was kind of left out on that a little bit and, um, you know, up until about five years ago, man, uh, I, I just would go on like an invitee type basis from yep. time to time. And, uh, and about five years ago, man, I started, uh, I started working with a guy, a big time bow hunter. And, uh, you know, since I already had that interest, I kind of opened that dialogue with him and we, we started talking bow hunting and, 
and just kind of the, you know, the excitement of it. And I started watching YouTube videos of it and all that. And I was like, man, I'm going to do this. And so, um, yeah, it just kind of became a, became a thing from there, man. And, and, uh, and so I started, started bow hunting, um, and then, uh, bought some property and then bought some more property. And, and, uh, and now I'm like, I'm all about it, man. I, you know, it's, uh, it's a super critical thing in my life. Even if I wasn't doing the, the archery company, I mean, it would, you know, it's something that's really important to me and, and uh, I'm, I'm super passionate about it. My wife's passionate about it. Um, and I did forget to mention that. So my wife's family, all hunters, um, mm. you know, ri rifle hunters, but, you know, as I kind of grew those connections with them, yeah. with the, you know, with her, you know, immediate family and then more extended family, naturally, I think, um, you being a married man, understand you, oh, yeah. you could, you could easily <laughs> start to progress, yeah. um, you know, kind of along some of those trends. And, and so, you know, just a conglomerate of things, I guess is the short answer just kind of steered me in that direction. And, and, uh, it's just a, it's a big part of my life now, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there's, there's few things I've done a lot of things in my life. There's few things like hunting, um, and specifically bow hunting that really grab a hold of your life. Like I've, yes. I was a, I was an elite level wrestler. I I've done, you know, I've gotten into jujitsu and, and that's a thing people get real passionate about and I really do love it. Um, but it just, it, it, nothing has really like, you can do hobbies, but you get into hunting like that's your life. You have, you it's have your family and your job, but yeah, it's even if, I mean, you can have people, like you said, when you first started out and you just, maybe you go out once or twice a year with buddies and they say, Hey, use my gun, use my camo. Once you commit, yeah. you start buying your own stuff. That's literally not to sound cheesy about it. You've just taken on an entirely new lifestyle. And there are a few 100%. things in this world that, that are like that. A hundred percent. And it's, and it's, I think that that, and nothing against gun hunting and rifle hunting, right? Because everybody, you know, do your thing. But, but I think that that is more exclusive to bow hunting, right? I, I think mm -hmm. that bow hunting is definitely more of an entire lifestyle change. I mean, it's, um, it makes you feel like that is the way that people are intended to live. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and so it lights this fire of passion within you, man, that, that, like, I mean, nothing else that I've ever done. I, I'm, man, I'm one of these people, like when I have a hobby, I'm in, man. I yeah. spend money on it. I invest time <laughs> yeah. and everything. I mean, you know, I, I think yeah. that might be guys just in general, but yeah. I, I mean, I get into it, but, but uh, I've never experienced anything like bow hunting, man. It, it's just, it's Neither is your bank account. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. Um, Photography was close, bro. Yeah. You know, I had a photography gig back in the day, man, and, and it and it can get down into the bottom of your wallet too, bro. That's a that's the that's the one bad part about bow hunting, especially in this day and age. I mean, there's quite a few people who are now interested in uh, whether it's just content creation or filming their hunts or whatever it may be. It's like it's almost part of it now. If you're going to be a hunter, you're also wanting to film it, whether it's because you want to put out right. content or you want to film it so you can watch it again. Um, so you almost have to pick up the photography thing with hunting now. For sure. Now you're now you're like eighty thousand dollars in debt, and you just yeah, <laughs> but you're happy. Right. You, yeah. <laughs> Now you have to tell your wife that you just got a second mortgage on your house. <laughs> yep. <laughs> We're never going to retire. Like, you know, it's right. that's part of it though, man. Like, um, I agree with that. And I think me and you were talking about this, right? Like how that younger generation of, of bow hunters, man, I mean, they're, they're bringing that to the table as far yeah. as like, I think, I think blending the, the old school, like 
what the 60 year old guys out there are doing with, with the same thing that these 25 year old guys are doing yep. and, and bringing the cameras and the, and the content creation, like uh, merger with the hunting industry, you know, yeah. which is, which is like super on fire right now, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it's, there's there. I mean, like I was saying on the last podcast, it's almost like even there, I mean, there's, people who would not consider themselves content creators. They just have an Instagram account and they like to share what they do. And I don't think they realize like you're a content creator. I mean, if you take the time, (laughs) if you take the time to take a video and even, you know, edit it, even if you don't edit it, you're a content creator. And it's just like, it's crazy because it's, it's everyone, everyone's doing it. And it's, you know, yeah. Yeah, if you're the if you if you're the guy that if you if you're the guy that that goes and records a hunt and uh, and spends three hours clipping <laughs> those uh, editing and clipping that footage to, to make you know a thirty five second reel, right. you're a content creator, bro. <laughs> right? Except <laughs> except your truth, man. You're a content creator. That's right. <laughs> so how did you get into specifically uh, building arrows and taking that whole thing on? Because and also talk about like I don't think people. Well, I don't know this for a fact. I know for a long time, I didn't realize like your way, your Adam's precision archery is not just building arrows. Like you, you, you do a whole lot of other stuff. So how did you get into that side of it? What spurred like the business idea for Adam's precision archery? Uh, so I'm sure you've heard this story before. Uh, my local bow shop did terrible quality work. And, yep. and so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's every, everybody who's ever started a gig in the archery, yep. uh, archery industry probably started at their bow shop. Yeah. And so, um, you know, when you're just getting going and, and you have no idea, uh, what quality work looks like or what the process should look like, you just don't know, man, you, you yeah. have your money and, and that's that. But, you know, like I said before, when I get into a hobby and, and undergo a lifestyle change, um, I start to research that and I learn about it and read about it. And, and I pretty quickly realize, like, hey, man, these guys are charging me regular money <laughs> for for work that's not up to par. And, and so I decided I'm going to start building my own arrows. Um, so I built a set and uh, uh, a couple guys that I hunt with saw them and asked me to build them a set. And, uh, then their buddies started asking me to build them. And, uh, that was, I mean, you know, it was pretty much that basic. And, and I told my wife one day, um, I kind of told her what was going on and she's like, well, let's start a little business and see what happens. And then, uh, she literally had to push me for six months. <laughs> uh, you know, I just kept, I kept procrastinating. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll do it. And I came home one day and, and just this past July, man, and she was like, so here's what we've got. I created an Instagram account. Uh, I created a Facebook page. Uh, I registered us, uh, as far as getting legitimized as a company. Yeah. We have a website I'm working on. Uh, you need to start doing stuff with this company. I was like, all right. Damn it. Yeah. Damn it. You're making me work. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's, it's literally that simple. And, and then, um, you know, I started reaching out to these manufacturers and companies trying to become a dealer for them. and, And so I could, you know, obviously get a better price on on their products. And, and, uh, then we started picking up other main, you know, other brands, man, that aren't, aren't arrow related to, you know, HHA and Ultraview and gas bowstrings and all these different things. And, and, uh, now we're a full online e-commerce store. We, we carry 15 brands and we're growing all the time. And, and, uh, man, it just kind of, 
you know, these things evolve uh, if you mm -hmm. let them. And so I think that the important thing is that we're having a really good time while we're doing it. And yeah. we're just kind of letting it, letting it become what it, what it's going to, I, you know, I think, I think back and I think that our first conversation was about doing arrows temporarily until, until we were comfortable enough to try to launch our own brand of bowstrings, which was the, gotcha. uh, the original plan. That's, I mean, that's, that's what it was going to be. And, um, the arrow thing, man, has just taken off and, and there's, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine trying to talk about building bowstrings right now, dude. Like, <laughs> forget about it, man. <laughs> forget about it. So I take the strings and I twist them up and uh, put some wax on them, and there we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is, Let me uh, introduce you to our new uh, our new yarn bowstrings. Right. <laughs> quickest in the industry to make. <laughs> there you go. Also quickest to break. <laughs> yeah, no question about it. You're gonna get maybe one shot from these. Right. So do you guys have any? Yeah. Um, do you guys have any plans of? Is this gonna do you do you foresee or want this to become a brick and mortar type of a thing too and become like your sole sole uh endeavor or you just kind of long for the ride with it yeah i mean i do want it to become my sole endeavor um but i'm along for the ride at the same time like uh i, I don't want to force anything or or try to you know, make, make it too much too fast because I think that that's a recipe for disaster, yep. you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so I think we're just kind of taking the opportunities as they come and, you know, I, I, I don't really have a plan, man. I, you know, I wish I did. I, I wish I was one of those guys that, that had like a, a five-year plan for this company and a three-year plan. And I'm, I mean, we're just, we're just enjoying what we're doing. And, and it's, I think that that's, is showing. And, and I think that that's the main reason for the success that we're having, man, is that there's not pressure on us about it. And it's, and it's not a, it's, it's still a hobby. I mean, it's a business, but it's a hobby yeah. and, and we're still passionate about it and, and we're still enjoying it and, and it's growing like crazy. And uh, yeah, we're just going to let it take us where it goes and who knows where it'll be in a year, man, or what it might be, but yeah. I don't want to put it. I, I don't, I just think it's important not to put that pressure on ourselves about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, you know, it's, it is important to make goals, you know, long-term goals, short-term goals, sure. but I think you're right when you, you can get too consumed with those goals and it's almost like goals can sometimes turn you against your own project. Like you, you stop enjoying sure. it because it just becomes work. And that's, I mean, right. that's the one reason why I'm still doing this, why you're, you're still doing what you're doing is I've never stopped enjoying the process of it. Um, don't get me wrong. There's been days. There's, well, <laughs> probably every other day, you know, you're like, oh, this sucks. Sure. I'm done. And then the next day happens. You have a really good day and you're like, this is, this is awesome. And, you know, I, I've gotten some messages lately from a couple guys just like on some of the posts I put out where they're just like, dude, thank you for doing that. Like I did that one the other yeah. day about like just basic uh, archery terminology and I, I got a couple of messages that people were like, I needed that. That was awesome. Thank you. And, you know, you guys out about, there, man. yeah, you guys out there, you know, you're just shooting a message saying, Hey man, thanks. You guys don't understand. Like those are, those are the very things that keep some, sometimes keep these things afloat. And, you know, so I know I really appreciate that when, when you interact. And I think that's another yeah, really man. big reason why you're so successful um, not only cause you know, you do awesome work, your arrows are just the, the, the one, the color, I don't know what you do. I it's magic. Your arrows are some of the kick at most kick-ass looking arrows. And I'm sure they're just death darts that. too. 
but you do a really good job of interacting with your followers and, and everybody. It's almost like it's not followers, they're friends. You've made them right. into and a it, family, not a following. And yes. that's an important recipe going live with them all the time. You're accessible. Yeah. That's what I want it to be, man. I, that's what I want it to be. I like, you know, I, I want it to be that like, you know, these guys, I mean, I have this core group of guys that have been there since the very beginning. These guys text me on my cell phone. We talk, we chat. I mean, they're, they are my friends, man. And, and they've become that through this. And I think that that's just so critical, man, because again, once you think that you've become bigger than that, you're going to fail. And, um, I want to back up real quick. Yeah. I, I don't mean, I don't mean to sound like we don't have goals. We do have goals, of course. Right. Um, but, but it's not, we've already achieved more than we thought we were going to with this. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I had an, I, I had a push to, to do well with this, um, because of my day to day job and, and yep. the fact that it's very mundane. And, and I mean, listen, let's face it, man, no, very few people enjoy their jobs. Right. And so, you know, I think that you get to the point, man, I've got three children and a wife and, and you get to the point where you're like, man. I am working my life away. I'm spending my entire life away from the people whom I'm working for and I need to change that. And so this opportunity has allowed me to do that. And, and, you know, I work part-time at my day job now. And so if it stayed just like it is right now forever, man, I'm cool with it because at the end of the day, I have twice as much time, three times as much time with the people that matter yeah. uh, in there. And, and so I'm already so thankful. So, you know, I guess I mean that in a way like, I don't want to sound greedy. Like I need right. more than what it's giving because it's already giving so much to, right. to my family and to my kids and my wife and, and to me, man. So anything above what's happened already is uh, it's bonus points, man. You know? So that, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah, no. And I try to remind myself of, of that too. And like, I think both of us are, are fortunate in the respect of like, as I'm, tr as I'm trying to grow this thing. And I think ultimately you'd be lying if you, if, if somebody said, well, yeah, I have this, I have this project I do and I don't want it to be my full-time job. Like, yes, you do. Like, I want this thing just like you do. I would love for this to be what I do. Um, yeah. but I am also not everybody, you know, that's why I don't want to take this opportunity for granted because I can do this and I can try to grow this and my fallback plan. I've been at John Deere for almost 15 years. Like, my fallback right, plan, like I'm very, very, very thankful and fortunate that if this thing ended tomorrow, my life is okay. And that allows me yes. to take the, take the risks to do, do the, you know, extra things to start the apparel company. Now, granted the way I have it set up wasn't huge overhead, you know, but like I've all <laughs> really quickly come into, I want to do this, this, and this now. And it is look, you know, it is risk starting to buy more hats, trying to get those things produced that, you know, it's, you're spending money, you're taking risks. There's different ideas you want to do, but I know that if anything happens, if it fails, I'm okay. And that allows me to push right. harder into this. Yes. Yes. Same thing. So I, my scenario is exactly the same. And, and man, you know, as much as I don't like that day to day, that, that day job that I've been doing for so long, man, I'm so fortunate that the company that I work for, saw what was going on. They know that I have this business and that it's growing and everything. And they approached me, man. And they were like, listen, 
the owner of the company, I got to tell you, the owner of the company is an avid bow hunter. All right. Nice. So that automatically, <laughs> that automatically helped my cause, right? You gave him so free arrows, didn't you? <laughs> I sold them to him at full price. But anyways, <laughs> hey, I make that guy plenty of money, man. Right. He paid full price. I tried to give him a discount and he's like, no, I want to pay what everybody else pays. And I'm yeah. like, all right, cool, man. I ain't going to argue with you. But anyways, um, so they came to me, man. And they're like, so we have an opportunity if you want to put you part-time. He said, what we'll do is we'll put you part-time. Um, you'll maintain all of your benefits and you'll nice. keep all your vacation time. And if it doesn't work out, then you just have to say that you want to come back full time and you're in, man, you'll be right back. So, That's awesome. you know, it, 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 it I, when I talked to my wife about it and we kind of started having this discussion about, you know, maybe this being a reality, it was like, I mean, how many times does a half risk present itself to you? You know what I mean? Like right. it's only a half right. risk. And that's how I view it is like, yeah, I mean, sure. There's some risk. I took a pay cut, but, but I'm, but it's still not me. And I, if this thing falls apart tomorrow, like the following day, I'm right back doing what I was doing before and we're, and we're super comfortable, you know? Yeah. So yeah. And I mean, it's just not a, you know, the, the, it's you a know, comfortable take, risk. Right. And, and taking a pay cut and stuff. I mean, you, you take the pay cut, but you're still making, you know, you have income coming in from something you actually enjoy. But aside from the money aspect, and I'm not, I don't mean to say this, like everyone can just, just go quit your job and do what you love. It'll all work out. Cause that's not usually going to work it out. Won't. But, <laughs> it won't. <laughs> you, you don't just follow your dreams guys. You, <laughs> there's some, there's some structure to that, but, uh, but no, like, it, it does not, that, that money aspect does not replace how much happier are you, you know, as a person, so as a man. dad, as a husband, like that alone, you know, that, that this, this archery business has given you, you know, happiness, which again, it sounds cheesy, yeah. but it, anybody who's got a full-time job with a family, kids, like you're going to understand what we're saying right now. Yeah, like, man. Some guys are just getting you know, up at eight, going to work at eight o'clock in the morning and getting home at nine o'clock every night. Dude, I was working 65 hours, bro. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like 65 hours a week. Like, I mean, I had periods of time, man, where, where I wouldn't even see my kids for five yeah. days and I lived in the same house with them. You know what I mean? Like, dude, yeah. I just got tired of that, man. I got tired of it. And that creates a, having that going on for, for a person who truly values the family, which not everybody does. And, and, yeah. and not everybody has kids. And so they're, you know, of course their perspective, I think is a little different, but for the, for the people who do have that and who truly hold value to that, there's no replacement for time. There is yeah. no replacement for that time and, and those, and those precious moments, man. And, and so it's worth it. It's worth it, man. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, it creates, it creates such a drive to, to, to find that success in a way that you're still able to have that time as well. Right. And, uh, and that is the ultimate goal. Speaking of goals that, I mean, that yeah. is the ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a pretty damn good goal to have. Yeah, so man. for, for some newer guys or for some pre people who maybe they've, they've always just bought arrows off the shelf. Um, maybe they're the, they go to field and stream, they grab the six pack, they grab the rage, you know, hypodermics off the thing <laughs> for those guys. Cause inevitably not everybody but a lot of people start kind of like what you're saying start getting wise to you know some of the the information surrounding arrows and lethality and all sure. of that good stuff what would you say where's a good starting point 
aside from just, you know, contacting you and having you hook them up, if they don't quite have that ability, um, for whatever reason, where do you, where would you have someone start if they want to start taking their arrows more seriously? Um, well, I, I would say that first start spending the extra 10 bucks to go from the, the gamer to the elite shaft that, that has a tighter straightness tolerance. Um, invest in quality broadheads. I, I can't stress that enough, right? Like I think a lot of guys, they, they even some of my guys, right? Like they buy these expensive arrows and then they put a Rage broadhead on the front of it. I'm like, man, mm-hmm. you're driving a Ferrari <laughs> through a car wash right now, man. Why are you doing that, dude? Like, you yeah. know, like it, yeah. it, it, it'll it, it'll work, but but you're you're not going to experience the maximum benefit there, man. I would I would say start taking the time to properly tune your equipment uh, and tune your bow and, and buy an arrow that's consistent and straight. And, and ultimately, I mean, just, just the broadheads, man, I have to go back to it because it's so yeah. important. It's so important to shoot a quality broadhead, man. That, so that would be my starting point. Invest in quality broadheads. We can stick on that topic for a minute. Cause I, I'm sure there's people listening who would be like, what do you mean? Rage is like the best broadhead out there. What do you, how is that not top quality? Explain a little more in depth on the broadhead thing. Cause we can go back and forth and it does include broadheads, but we can go back and forth on, you need a X amount grain arrow. You need X amount FOC. You need this, you need that. And all of that stuff is important, but it does all sure. start with that broadhead. That is what contacts that animal. The first, the first thing that contacts it, that's what's going that's what's driving your arrow through the animal. It finishes so, with that broadhead. It finishes yeah. with that broadhead. You you can have the you can have the straightest, most durable, perfectly tuned arrow on the planet. But when that arrow gets to that animal, and it hits that animal, and that mechanical broadhead fails to open up, you've just wasted all of the money, right? Mm-hmm. You've wasted all of the time tuning. You've wasted all of it because in the moment of truth your equipment failed you. Yeah. Yeah. Why ever leave that door of opportunity open? I, yeah. And that, that's one thing that I, you see a lot is like you said, guys go and they buy the newest, the newest bow. They trick right. it out with all of the cool, cool stuff. Cause we are living in a time where you can, your bow can be absolutely awesome you know, they as spend much as you want to spend. <laughs> money on camo and travel and archery and you name it. And then, yeah, they go buy a $35 pack of broadheads. And I don't right. know. I, I don't know why. I'm sorry. No, you're good. I, I just don't know why that why the buck stops there for everybody, you know, and, and a lot of people are just content with it, too. They don't care, you know. Yeah. Well, a, a lot of guys have had, I mean, listen, I, I'm not here to say that you can't kill a deer with a, with a, a cheaply made mechanical broadhead. Oh, of course you not. Can. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely can. But the purpose, uh, you know, the purpose of building a high end arrow and tuning your bow and all of that, you're, you're doing those things to remove negative variables from the, from the equation, right? Like you're, you're doing yeah. that. And so why would you, again, why would you leave that? that window of opportunity open. I mean, you're, you're buying a $400 set of arrows and you're shooting them out of a $2,000 bow with brand new strings that you just put on there and all the gear yeah. and all the stuff. And then you have this piece of equipment that just based on the materials that it's made from 
has a higher probability of failure than anything else that you're using. And yeah. coincidentally, that is the most important piece of equipment <laughs> that you have when the moment comes, man. When yeah. the moment is in front of you, that's the most important piece of equipment in, in your entire setup. Yeah. It's what matters the most and what's get the job done for you, man. Yeah. So, I think that I think it's kind of funny because I, I think another thing that people skimp on highly, again, it's a blade. People skimp on the knife they bring with them in the woods all the time. And you'll see like right. uh, Montana Knife Company, they'll, they've said that before. I've seen it a, a couple places of like, yeah. you spend all this money on all of this different hunting related stuff. And then you got a crappy Walmart knife. And you got a $29 <laughs> knife in your bag and you think you're fixing to quarter an elk up yeah. and carry it out of there. You're not. Yeah. You're not, man. And it, you it, get what you, you pay for. Absolutely. Uh, when it comes to materials, man, you, you absolutely get what you pay for, man. And and Montana Knife Company, sure, they're the maybe the most expensive knife ever. <laughs> you just can't get them. But it's it's just <laughs> the, right. And you can't get them because the people who know about quality are buying them the minute they're made. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. Like, literally so, within yeah. a minute. But so what kind of broadheads? Obviously, we've alluded to mechanical is, you know, again, it's not if you shoot mechanical and that's what you that's your gospel, then that's fine. I, I'm i not going to sit here and try to tell you different, but we're alluding to fixed blade broadheads. And so the next the next natural question would be, OK, well, where do I go from there? Because just like with a the mechanical, there's a wide array of fixed blade as well. And so sure. what if a guy's willing, you know, guys, you got to understand when we're talking about this, we're we're talking about. You're going to get a pack of three broadheads that are going to run you at the minimum $80 for a pack of three. At the minimum. Um, yeah. So what what could guys or what should guys be looking at when they're looking at a fixed blade? So we can dive into maybe uh, how many blades, uh, single bevel. We can talk about um, the benefits of – because of, you can still go buy a cheap four-blade, shitty-made, shitty-material fixed blade as well. Right. Which I which which I think is better, right? I mean, it, it's better because you're removing uh, you're removing a failure possibility. But I mean, look at it like this, right? So you you take a you take a, a fixed blade that you're buying in a three pack, and they're forty bucks, right? Well, you, well, you're shooting one deer with that that fixed blade, maybe two, and then you know they're made in such a way where the blades on them are so thin that you're not resharpening this thing, man. You're not yeah. using this over and over. You're putting it in the trash. And then before you know it, three years down the line, you've bought five packs of these things. You've spent 200 bucks, right? Yep. And, and, and you're still getting single, maybe twice use out of them. And that's it versus spending $250 in one sitting on six broadheads and, and that'll last you for 25 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's a, it's an upfront investment that pays dividends down the line. Yeah. And what that does, man, is, is, is you have a quality product that's reliable. That's made of super durable materials that are super sharp, that can hold an edge, that can hold a blade. Their weights are super consistent. They bring penetration factors in, into the, into the whole situation that, that you're not getting with something else like that. And, and before you know it, if you look five years down the line, you, you've spent twice as much on crappy products that you could have just bought right the first time and yeah. still had them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And never mind the fact that when you're constantly changing broadheads, you, you're constantly wrapped up with tuning and tuning and tuning yes. and tuning to, to those broadheads versus, Hey, I shoot the same broadhead. I've shot the same broadhead for four years. 
I don't have to tune my bow to that broadhead. It's just there. It's always there. And it's, it, you know, my setup's never going to change. I'm shooting the same thing every single year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, sh- let so everybody you can know. look at, yeah, go ahead. I shoot iron wheel. I shoot yeah. iron wheel broadheads, uh, just because of the quality. I've, I've never had a, I've never had an arrow hit a deer that, that hasn't given me a pass through. And a lot of guys, you know, you, you can get that with a mechanical broadhead, but the difference is, is, is when you go to a quality fixed blade and you put weight up on front of the arrow, and I'm not talking anything crazy here, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, you're opening up a possibility for yourself that when you are in that moment and that five and a half year old Midwestern whitetail standing in front of you <laughs> and your heart's beating 200 beats per minute yep. and you make a shot on that animal that's less than ideal, you hit that animal in the shoulder, you don't have to worry about that because you're yeah. going right through that shoulder like it's made out of butter. You're still hitting vitals and you're coming out on the other side of it and and your emotions didn't cause you to lose an animal or make a shot that could be viewed as unethical, you know, within yourself. I I, right. I believe in taking an ethical shot on an animal. And so I think that uh and we haven't even touched on that, but I think that that depending on the equipment you're using that, you know, that, that is a factor as well. You can take a shot with a quality broadhead like that, that you can't with a mechanical broadhead and still be underneath the umbrella of, of ethical hunting, in yeah. my opinion. No, that's a great so. point. I, I think that all too often we, we look at, we look at ethical shots as a, there's an end all be all, there is a line and you either cross it or you don't. And the reality is to what you said, your, your, your line, your, your line in the sand of ethics, it moves with your equipment. Yes. And, you know, I've, I've had the Ashby guys on here a handful of times and, you know, they will not tell you to take an unethical shot just because you, you think your equipment can do it. Or, you know, maybe you built like the full 12 factor Ashby approved arrow Then you know, if you do that, it's going to blast through anything. It just will. Anything. They've tested it so much. You can't, you, you just can't argue that, but they still won't tell you take an unethical shot just because you can, but you do that line does move because when you, it you does. know, you got guys that I, I posted something a while, uh, a week or two ago about, you know, shot placement and you should never shoot at the shoulder. It should always be back from the shoulder, go for the double lung, even the liver to me, a liver shot's less ethical. If you're if you're knowingly gonna take a liver shot, that's less ethical than me taking a shot towards the shoulder when I know what my equipment can do. It was it 100%. was it was built for that, and yes. and that's what people don't really talk about. They just say, "Oh, you shot at the shoulder. That's terrible." Well, I have a single bevel broadhead that rotates specifically to split bone, and I have the weight, right. the FOC, and the weight of my arrow a specific way because that's what it's designed to do. So that's not unethical of me. And the bottom line is, is if you have the right equipment and you shoot that shoulder, we all know what's right on the other side of that shoulder. And we all know that when you get through that shoulder, because your (laughs) equipment will allow that, that that animal is going to die in a fraction of the time as an animal that you shot with your rage broadhead in the liver. Yeah. It just is that yeah. th- that liver shot, man, that, that deer is going to, it's going to go through something before it expires. Yeah. But you shoot a deer and you know, you get that heart shot, man. It, you're talking seconds and yeah. it's over. It's yeah. done, you know? And, and I think there's something to be said for that, man. You know, I really do. Well, and I mean, even 
if you even if you're a little above the heart or in just in that general vicinity the amount of arteries and veins that are running to the heart in there like that is a very deadly place to put to put an arrow deadly and if you know you know if you know you did everything right on your end building that arrow you, you can have confidence and you know yes it's been said jokingly but a lot of guys will say, well, I like my rage. I like my mechanical because it opens up 35 inches wide. It puts a huge hole in them and there's just blood a blood trail, right? red carpet blood trail. Well, I don't have to have a giant blood trail because my, I see my deer die. I, I see him. my deer die right there. That's a hundred percent right. And I, you know, I, I, yeah. I, so when I shoot that deer at four o'clock in the afternoon, and then I go and I drag it out of there 20 minutes later because I watched it die right over there. I don't need that blood trail, right? That's the yeah. common argument, right? The blood, yeah. well, the blood trail is not good. Yeah. Well, it doesn't need to be good. When you watch the animal go down and you know that animal's 35 yards over there, I don't need a blood trail or a flashlight. I'm going to go get it right now and I'm going to be right. home in time for dinner, man. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, man. And and for newer guys that are listening to understand that <laughs> rabbit hole we go, the whole blood trail thing they may, people are going to tell you the, you know, the wider the cut, the better the blood trail, blah, 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 blah. Your blood trail has way more to do with where you shot that animal, where that exit hole is. Um, as it, your, your broadhead doesn't, doesn't make the blood trail. If you shoot no, a rage broadhead through right <laughs> just underneath the spine where that entire body cavity is filling with blood before it touches the ground, you're not going to have a good blood trail there either. You know, right. so that's just a little caveat just for the new guys that are listening. Don't get roped into the blood trail thing when you're looking at broadheads because you're going to hear, well, fixed blades. Yeah, they're they're really good. They're deadly. They have a lot of benefits, but you don't get any blood out of them. You... <laughs> Shoot them in the right shot spot. Placement, and... Shot placement is the king in bow hunting. There is no substitute. And I understand the logic, right? I get the logic, right? I, you have a broad head that opens up two and a half inches. That's great that you have that. With that capability, you sacrifice penetration, which leads to animal suffering, right? Yeah. You minimize your, your margin of error, which maximizes animal suffering. And so, yeah, sure. If you, if you heart shot a deer with a rage broad head, there's going to be blood all over the place. Oh yeah. But the same rings true if I heart shot a deer with a field point. There's going to be blood all over yep. the place. Yeah. So it, it all comes down to shot placement. And so, you know, in that moment, it's just so much more important to me personally as a bow hunter to know that my equipment is up to par because it's bigger than bow hunting, man. It's bigger than a blood trail. And, and this is just my personal belief, right? But you're dealing with a life and you're taking mm -hmm. a life. And so when I'm taking life from something else, which I am so blessed to have the privilege to do, then I want to do it the right way. And yeah. I want to do it as painlessly for that animal as I can. And, and that's just, that's just my personal belief. And I stick by that and, and that'll never change. That's one of the most yeah. satisfying things of bow hunting is it's just, I think that it's such an intimate connection that you have in that moment knowing that you have the ability to take a life. And so why do you want to play games with that, man? Just so you can see blood all over the ground and post a picture of it on your Instagram page. I'm good right. on that, man. I want to, right. I want a freezer full of deer meat. And, and <laughs> I don't need the big store. I don't need the big story with that, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. And you know, I, I think it's a cooler story to see. Yeah. I watch it go and didn't even realize it was hit. 
Because there's another there's another part too when you got a super right. sharp broadhead that is, you know, like you said, the weight of your arrow. We're not talking a thousand grain arrow here. We're not. You're right. talking probably what mid fives around five. I shoot I shoot four ninety. Yeah, a little under five. Yeah. Four ninety. You know, I shoot right now. I'm at five eighty five, which is still underneath that magic number. You guys all, you know, hear from the Ashby people, which they don't even, you know, they have their own thing on that too. But when you got that super sharp broadhead, that thing zips right through it. A lot of times, that deer, it may not even realize it's been hit. It feels it a little like no what the hell idea. was that? Yeah, and it walks like a pinch. Yeah, it walks twenty yards, <laughs> and then it just kind of. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, dumps over I'm feeling you know funny. <laughs> my first deer this year yeah. i i shot that thing it was about 26 yards and uh quartering away i tucked it right behind the rib cage went out broke the offside shoulder and yeah it was just it was she was gone in literally less than 10 seconds i mean what yeah. more could you ask for for from a bow hunter like for me knowing that that deer she she trotted off. She knew something was something was weird, and it's because her shoulder was broken. Like she was standing there, and all of a sudden her shoulder's broken, and she's she's dead in under ten seconds. And that was the most yeah. satisfying part of that whole hunt. You know, I made a really really good shot. I everything blah blah blah. The best part of that hunt was knowing that that deer did not go lay down, did not bed down for seven hours, and just. And suffer with a liver shot. And suffer. Yeah, I was able to just end it as quickly as I possibly could. And that that's the best feeling that I could ever ask for in hunting, you know. So yeah. guys, there's a yeah, <laughs> there's a lot more one's... that goes goes into your broadhead choices than you might think there is. But Sure. My second one this season was uh was very similar to that, man. I made a really good shot and and she it was textbook. So before we before we cut out of here, one thing that I've been seeing a lot, I kind of told you, I, guys, we were gonna we were gonna start the show with this, but then I decided this may be a rabbit hole that would take too much time. But I want to talk with somebody because I've I've had a couple conversations online today about it. Where do you personally draw your line with technology in the woods? Um, we've got, you know, it, it's it started way back in the day with those little like what were they like, trip wires way way back. And then, you know, yeah. we got trail cams with SD cards where you had to go pull the card. Then we got cell cams where now it's coming to your phone. And then, you know, cell cams get better and better. It's coming right to your phone right now. Now we're kind of tiptoeing around live feeds um, where you can sit there and watch the deer in real time. Where do you personally uh, draw the line in your hunting. And this is not to say that you're condemning if the next guy likes trail cams, live feeds, if it's legal, you do you buddy. But where do you kind of draw the line with technology in the woods? Uh, so I don't have any issue with any of that. Uh, and, and here's why, um, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you still have to go in there and, and, and you still have to follow the basic principles of success in bow hunting, right? You still have to be quiet, manage your scent, uh, hunt the correct wind. And then in the moment, you still have to perform. Outside of that, man, I mean, you know, it's cool to get pictures of the deer and get the patterns and all that stuff like that. But, but I just think that it's such a, 
it's such an up close thing with the animal that, that I don't really know. I mean, yeah, sure. It kind of opens that window of like, you know, well, you know where the deer is every day at this time. Yeah. But I'm still 20 Mm -hmm. yards away from that animal. And, and one of a thousand things could happen in that time where I can blow it, you know? So, you know, I just, I think it's different, um, for rifle hunters, uh, because, uh, because uh, number one, I, I think that, rifle hunting is so much easier, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's so much yeah. easier. Your, your opportunity to ruin your hunt or to get busted out of there is so much like it's exponentially smaller already. Um, yeah. and, and then to add some of that in there, I mean, I think that that game gets a little bit unfair and it, it, it becomes shooting instead of hunting. Uh, yep. but, but on the, on the bow hunting side, man, I just think that, you know, having trail cameras that send pictures to your phone right away and, and, uh, and all this stuff, man, I mean, that's, that's all fine and good, but nothing is going to help you in that moment actually get that done. And, and so I yeah. think that the difficulty factor is still there. Um, I mean, you know, I would hate to see, uh, I would hate to see the scouting side of hunting, leave it and go away, you know, the old school way yeah. um, of having to go out and find deer sign and all of that. But I think ultimately technology is going to you know, pull us away from that anyway. So it is getting so good now that, that, you know, in a lot of States in Georgia, man, you can just dump a pile of corn on the ground and put a camera <laughs> on it and see every deer, on, yeah. see, see every deer on your property in 48 hours. Right. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, the short answer is that I don't see any problem with live feeds and stuff like that, man, be, because, you know, if you've got a deer that's on a live feeding camera while you're in the deer stand, you're going to have a pretty tough time getting out of your stand and going to where that deer is undetected with a bow and getting it done anyways, you know? So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of my thought process there. How about you? But no, for me, I, you know, I, I I feel like because I primarily hunt public land, um, I'm a little weary of putting trail cams out just because they get stolen all the time. Especially if you're talking a cell cam where you're, you're dumping 150 bucks or more into it. To me, I, I'm not poor, but I'm not that rich to just be handing out trail cams, you know? Uh, so that's one <laughs> element for me, but I feel like for, for me personally, and like I said, this is just me, this is not saying anything's wrong with anybody else. Um, I just, I, I like having the mystery of not knowing what's there and when it's there. Now I'm in Iowa too, so we can't bait. We can't do any of that. Um, the closest you're going to get to baiting is if you have private land that has a food plot. Um, but I, I really enjoy the process of going out, finding sign and just the, the mystery of is, is this sign going to lead me to a deer or not? You know, and a lot of times it doesn't, a lot of times it's really fresh sign. And for whatever reason, they just don't come through. And, you know, for that's my personal hunting style. Um, the situation that kind of bugs me with where trail cams are going Um, I think it's, if they're used to this extreme, which I don't think it will be, but you know, the, the, the far out argument is that Dustin, you're sitting in your house on your land and your phone goes off and this buck is right here right now. He's browsing. He's not moving through. You know exactly where he's at. You throw your, your whatever gear on, you grab your bow, you run out to, you know which direction he's headed. You run out to head him off, cut him off. That deer comes through because you knew he was going to be there, and you shoot and kill him. So where is the fair chase in that? 
Um, that argument can also be made with guys who run multiple cell cameras on their property where they literally know exactly where that deer is going. So given, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a lot more that goes into it, guys. You know, you, you're not just going to run out there and shoot the deer. That doesn't happen. No, but if every, <laughs> if the wind's right, if you're able to get in an area where you can get out ahead of him, you know exactly where he's going. That's where I kind of, it doesn't fit my personal hunting style. I think that that takes, that takes a lot of the work out of it. Um, but you know, like you said, there are a lot of elements. You still have to, you've still got to get in there. You've still got to be undetected. You've still got to get close. You've still got to make a perfect shot. So there, and how many guys are actually sitting at home? They get a notification and they're running out to the woods. You know, that's not really a totally realistic scenario. I mean, but you're that talking seems about to a be, fraction of a percent. Yeah, but that seems to be the big, you know, I, I can't remember who it was. They put a video out. They're a really big person. I should know their name, but they put the video out probably two, three weeks ago talking about, I'm worried about where this is going. And um, that's been the argument that I've seen since. And, you know, I talked to another one of my buddies earlier today about it on fa- or on Instagram, and, you know, he said... He, his buck this year, he was not going to sit that stand, but the night, what was it? The night before or whatever it was, he got a picture. So he decided to sit that stand. He ended up killing his buck. Um, had he not had the trail camera, he would have been in a different area. The buck would have lived to, to, to see another day. Um, so, you know, it just kind of come, I don't know. I, I, it's such a it, people say I see both sides of it. I see both sides of it. Like I like I'm I totally understand the point that you're making with that too, man. So so it's not like, you know, I look at my situation, bro. I, I run listen, I'll be the first dude, I run fifteen cell cameras on my property. Fifteen. Uh but, but the property that I hunt <laughs> is also an hour away. It's an hour from me, man. You know what I mean? So even if I wanted to jump in the jump in the truck and, and go up there. I'm an hour and 20 minutes from making that happen regardless. So, you know, for those guys that that have their property and they live on their property, I mean, I see where that's a realistic, you know, there's that realistic potential there. But 99% of even private land deer hunters, man, 95% of them, their property is offsite somewhere. And uh, and so, you know, I, I don't know. I see both sides of what you're saying, though, for sure. And I'm not so narrow-minded about it that I don't see that there's potential there for, for the game to be rigged. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. but but my, but my hunting property, man, is an hour away. If I get a, if I get a picture on my, if I get a picture on my phone from a cell camera 30 minutes before dark, it's just not happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. (laughs) Unless I, uh, unless I jump in a helicopter, I mean, I ain't getting there in time, man. And I I think that applies to a lot of guys, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it was funny. I was, I was saying something earlier too, about like, we, we have this idea in our minds of what hunting bow hunting should be because we think back to the Indians or the native Americans. And we're like, you know, they were just, they're out there with, you know, just sticks and strings made of sinew and they made their own flint nap, this and that. And, you know, every little bit of technology, we're getting further away from hunting. Dude, if you went back in time and you told whoever it is, I'm going to say Chief Blackhawk because that's where I'm from. Chief Blackhawk's big here. If you went to Chief Blackhawk and you said, hey, bro, 
try these cameras out. Do you think those guys would have been like, no, 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 no. That's not hunting. This is the right You know what way. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. You know, no, I, I, I think. <laughs> they would do it. They would do it in a heartbeat, man. Technology has just allowed it. And, and I mean, I know that, that, that it does give you an edge, right? Like it a hundred percent gives you an edge, but I, I have to stand firm, man, that ultimately you are still killing a, an animal with a bow and arrow, which is an yeah. ultimate challenge. It, it is, it is such a challenge, no matter what no matter what you're doing. I mean, short of catching these deer in a foot trap and knowing they're going to be there in the morning, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is still, right. there's just still so much opportunity for error there, man. You know what I mean? The, the wind yeah. to be wrong or the deer to see you draw your bow. I mean, there's just so many different things that, that can go wrong in that scenario that, you know, I think, I just think that, that having the, the ability to in real time, learn the pattern doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to kill the deer. It just gives you an idea of what's going on out there, but you still have to do it. Yeah. You still have to get in undetected. Yeah. You still have to make it happen. And, um, I mean, I know you said you, you hunt a lot of public land, but would your, would your opinion be the same about it? If you hunted private land exclusively? Probably not. You know, I, and that's, that's one thing I was thinking about earlier when I was having that discussion with some people was I have a, I have formed my style of hunting um, primarily because it's, you know, my personality. But another big thing of that is like, I, I don't hunt public land because I'm a public land hunter. I do it because I have to, Right. you know, I, I don't have another, I don't have another choice. And if, if you were to come to me tomorrow and say, Hey dude, I got a, a 500 acre farm that's just loaded with giant deer. I'm just going to give it to you. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, no, no. I don't want any part of that. Food plots, all that stuff, all the stuff that I don't care about right now, land management, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't tell you no. I'm going to, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay on public but, land. But in, but, in so, order to, but in order to have that 500 acres, you have to run 30 cell cameras year round out there. You taking it? If you're, if you're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that is, that is a flip side of it too, is like, uh, it, you know, sure you can make the argument that it, it makes hunting easier and i mean tech that's a point of technology it makes it makes difficult things easier that's that's why we're making innovations yeah. but i mean it is cool too like i do enjoy when my buddy tom sends me pictures from his land and you catch that you know ooh, who's that buck that's a new one or yeah, it's man. his one buck bruce that's been there for three years now and you're it's cool you can watch them grow um there there are a lot of cool aspects about it as well. And yeah, I, I really think if I, if I had my own private land, I would probably, yeah, I would probably absolutely run trail cams. I would take on land management and look at yeah, planning man. food plots. And cause one, one thing I had talked to, uh, last week, Ben from Sodak horizon, like one thing that doesn't get talked about, you know, you, you've got your public land, you got private land guys, a lot of times private land guys get shit because all you're doing is you're planting bait. So it's legal and you, they come in to you. You don't have to go find them. It's not hunting. You can make that argument all you want, but the bottom line too is what he was bringing up. You also got to give them some credit for they're improving the habitat for the animals that aren't being shot. You're going to chase one deer in that scenario. Yeah. You're likely yeah. to have one to two shooter bucks but the rest of that herd's life 
is improved because it's you've better. made those land improvements. It's better. Yeah. And then look at that hunter personally, right? It, what, what people, so, so you have your people, right? They're like, oh, well, well, they're planting food plots, it's bait and all that. But they're also spending tens of thousands of dollars of their own money to make that better for their deer right. herd, man. I, and and right. I think that that is an, an overlooked contribution to what these guys are doing for that entire, for, for that species of animal, man. They are, yeah. they are giving those animals sanctuary and, and sure they're, they're out there, but just like you said, I mean, they're not out there to, 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 you know, if it's brown, it's down, kill everything, man. They're, they're right. out there for, for that trophy animal. They're passing on all these other deer. They're allowing deer to mature. I mean, they're doing it the right way. They're, and, yeah. and they have way more exposure than guys that hunt public land exclusively because when you're hunting public, man, you're, you're not paying for that property. You're not investing in that property. You're not putting your time and, and, and financial well-being into that property. I'm not saying you're not putting your time right. because you, put, you definitely put your time in more yeah. so yeah. on the scouting side for sure. But, <laughs> but, but yeah. you're, you know, you don't have the exposure uh, that, right. that somebody who's managing and, and doing it the right way and managing um, you know, managing property is doing. And one thing I forgot to touch on real quick that, that just kind of, you know, light bulb and it makes sense to me <laughs> is, is, is when I think about the cell cam thing, right. And, and you think about the newer hunters, the new generation of hunters, the guys are coming in. I mean, I think that we, we shouldn't devalue the engagement that it creates with those guys, with their hunting situation. You know, let's say you, you have a new bow hunter that, that, that doesn't kill anything all year, his first year, which is common. I mean, that's, it's hard to do Yeah, that camera and seeing those animals and it, it, it keeps that drive going. It keeps them in the sport. Yeah. It keeps them from getting discouraged from their failures because, Hey, they're seeing like, no, he's here. He's still there. That deer is there. I just need to do better. I need to learn more about this sport. And I think that that's an unsu you know, an unspoken benefit, man, is it keeps guys in yeah. because otherwise, I mean, yeah. bow hunting is riddled with failure. <laughs> it's, it, oh, is, yes. it is, it is, a, <laughs> it is a sport of failure. And yeah. you know, the, the beautiful thing about it is that, is that when you do have that success, it wipes away that failure, no matter how many failures Absolutely. there were leading up to that. But, yeah. but I, but it, but it takes, uh, yeah, I respect what you do because it takes a special kind of personality to go and hunt public land where you have no cameras, no idea what you're going to see and to just maintain that level of engagement month after yeah. month after month after month. I mean, that's a hard thing to do, man. I mean, you know, yeah. part of our nature is, is, uh, unfortunately, uh, particularly nowadays with, with, with people, I mean, it's an, it is a, a nature of instant gratification. And, oh, yeah. you know, the, those guys that don't get that right away, that they're out, they're on to the next thing and, and, and you lose them from the sport, which, which, which right. can't be hurt by having the people involved in it. And so I think that that trail camera keeps those people, particularly the newer guys engaged and keeps them going until they, they get a taste. And then after that, you know, once you get a taste of that success, it's over, man. Like you're, oh yeah. <laughs> you live it. It's over, dude. Yeah. There's nothing like it. So, it, you know, I think it keeps that encouragement there to, to get them there. And then, you know, then you've right. got somebody who's in it for the rest of their life, man. So, yeah, I think that's those are, that, that's, yeah, that was a good, that was a good, uh, little rabbit hole to go down because I, I think we exposed a couple of, uh, perspectives that don't, don't get shared. A lot of times you pick an extreme of each side. Like I said, it's either, you know, 
trail cams are just cheating. This guy is just going to get a picture. He's going to go kill this deer. There was no chase. Nobody ever talks about what you said. Okay, well, get your picture and go try to chase down a deer. Let, sh- right. Show me how that works. Yeah, you know, I would um, challenge you to even, show me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even from a, a guy like me who I don't, you know, like I said, I not by choice, but I, I hunt public land. You hear food plots, big deer farms, the Drury's like they cheat. They're just a bunch of they're just a bunch of cheat. Well, you don't you don't often hear people talk about. Yeah, but what about the rest of the deer herd? What about all the turkeys? What about all the rest of the wildlife in the in the area that is benefiting from that? And what about they're allowing these deer to mature and live full lives before they choose one and take it. They're not killing a two year old that never got a chance. You know, so I think we got, I think we hit on a couple of really good perspectives that, that just get looked over, just don't get brought up at all. So for sure, man, but Hey man, I appreciate you hanging out with me today. It was, I'm glad we finally got it in. I had a blast talking to you. Um, Obviously this isn't, isn't the last we're going to be talking to each other. And I'm sure I'll have you on this show again and again. Um, man, I, I would love to, yeah. I would love to do it again. I, I looked forward to this this week, man, all, all week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I committed at the beginning of the week. I'm like, man, we're going to make this happen. We, we, Cause we've done this three or four times now. Yeah. And it's just, you know, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it, man. I, I'm thankful that you had me and took your time to, to, you know, to, to have me on as a guest with you and, and, uh, and, yeah, man, I, I love talking deer hunting and, and, uh, this was a great conversation, Vince. For sure. Well, let's let everyone know where they can find you online, your website, Instagram, everything. If you guys are not currently following him, as soon as he tells you, as soon as you get off here, run over there and follow him. Where can they find you? Awesome, man. So we're Adams Precision Archery. You can find us on Instagram at Adams Precision Archery, or you can find us online at adamsprecisionarchery.com. Check us out. Uh, we've got several offerings for you that, uh, that'll take your bow hunting experience to the next level, man. So thank you guys so much for the support. He's got it all. He does it all. And if you just like seeing kick-ass pictures and videos of arrows, hit him up on Instagram because he puts them out all the time. Um, like I said, he's a great, he's a great, uh, account to follow. He's always talking to all of his friends and followers doing lives. Very, very accessible. Great guy. Go check him out. And make sure you guys, after you check him out, make sure you're following us too. We are at Antler Featherco on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. We're over on Twitter now too. No TikTok. I'm an American. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I got to throw that little yes, thing in there every dude. time. It's probably the one reason I'm not growing exponentially, but you know what? It's Who okay. Cares? <laughs> if you guys found value in this show, if if you guys feel like you learned something new, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you guys like, subscribe, sh- uh, rate, review, share, all that social media stuff. I only ask that you do that not because I make millions of dollars off this because believe me, I don't, but it helps me get this show in front of more people. And when that happens, I can keep getting great guests on like we had tonight. And ultimately... That's going to make you more deadly in the woods. So thank you guys so much for listening tonight. I appreciate every single one of you guys. We're going to catch you next Tuesday. This is the Antler and Feather Co. Podcast. You are listening to the Antler and Feather Co. Podcast. 